Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 15 of Thirst for Knowledge Podcast. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we have a good friend of mine, Patrick Ferreter. Known Patty for about 15 years. Uh, we served together in the Marine Corps. And Seth, what are we talking about today? So on the show today, we've got a lot of good stuff about gardening and agriculture. Um, Patty's currently in school and learning a lot of different things about biology and on top of that, he's been, um, you know, a hobbyist, DIYer, kind of in the gardening world, has had a little bit of professional experience, uh, or semi-professional, you'll, you'll hear him <laughs> talk about that. Um, but there's a lot of really neat stuff, and this is kind of like an intro gardening episode, I would say. Um, you can dig deeper into a lot of this stuff, but if you're, if you're just getting into, you know, having a garden in your backyard... There's a lot of really cool things. Um, I definitely learned a lot from this episode. So, yeah. Enjoy. 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 (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Hey! Hi! Today on our show we have uh, Patrick Ferreter. Hello, Patty. Hey, how we doing? What's up? Patty's actually a good friend of mine. You know, I've I met him um, towards the tail end of high school. We were in the delayed entry program, um, awaiting entrance into the Marine Corps upon graduation from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We ended up actually serving in the same, uh, basically the same unit. 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines. We deployed together. We were in the same squad, same platoon. Not the same squad. Uh, Not the same squad. But we did share a bunk once. We did. It was very nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, today I thought I'd bring him back on, bring him onto the podcast. Um, He's got some good tips and good knowledge about gardening and agriculture. And I figured we can kind of let the whole world know about uh, about his his, uh, wonderful brand. Yes, we're gonna go green. Indeed, nice. and like it's, it. gar- it's uh it's growing season now, so it's kind of perfect, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. summer. Yeah, definitely. So why not? Yeah. So uh, Patty, um, how did you get into it? Like, what sparked your interest with growing things? Well, uh, Seth, I uh, actually moved out to California. Didn't really know when it was a weird part of my life and i yeah. ended up growing weed on a mountainside nice that's <laughs> exciting <laughs> so from there kind of like i'm all interested in plants and i mean growing up my dad always had like a garden and grew tons of like lettuces and tomatoes tomatoes and everything so already kind of knew some things but it was actually being out on a mountainside and actually being in charge of acres of plants for a little while yeah that kind of really sparked my interest and then moved back home i'm actually in school going to school for biology now that's cool that's cool so do you have like any kind of focus in that biology study yeah i mean uh, right now it's mostly biology Uh, i'm almost my associates and then i'm probably going to stick with uh bio like general biology and then maybe like in a minor in like environmental science oh that's cool yeah yeah that'll all tie together pretty well yeah Um, get a good foundation of the science and everything first and then start moving to the practical yeah application classes after all these core classes i know that's "Ah." how it always is man sucks (laughs) but yeah yeah so um 
pretty much before you start before you moved out to California and like started getting your hands dirty was there any interest in like you know growing plants or anything like that or was that actually doing it and getting out in the field and, and working with that kind of stuff what sparked your, your uh, passion there definitely being out in the field was more of the catalyst like um didn't really before that I kind of mostly just want to sit around a bar room but okay yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's cool though so since you've been back in the area, have you? Do you have a garden now? Like, yeah, I help my dad out um, with his garden at home, and um, help a few friends out with their plant kind of questions, nice and stuff. Nice. So, is there anything that you use as a resource now, like websites or forums? Oh or? yeah, I have a couple cool uh, things. Mostly, like I kind of read like a lot of books, but like okay. uh, Mother Earth. Uh, uh, shoot, Mother Earth. It's something like that. Uh, uh, don't quote me on that one, actually. But a good book is... <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, get it we'll after. Check it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Teeming with Microbes is a great book. It goes over the whole entire soil food web and um, uh, goes into uh, composting and uh, different amendments that are natural and organic to use. That's a great resource to start. And that's actually where I kind of started with. Um, and I'll be kind of explaining a few things out of there nice. as we go along. I nice. like it. And did you, like, um, start reading books and everything? Was this while you were, like, um, first getting into it? Or was this when you came back home and, like, started studying and everything? Oh, kind of out there. Kind of, like, you know, started, like, you know, just soaking in as much as I could uh, from, you know, just basic gardening books to, you know, go listen to people talk and, you know, gardening with a bunch of crazy hippies. You get some crazy ideas. Oh, I bet, yeah. You know? <laughs> nice, nice. I first heard your interest when I was laying in a bunk in Iraq, and I'm just, I'm watching, I had my DVD player open, my headphones on, and I just hear this massive thud, and this <laughs> book dropping to the ground, and I just look up, and I, I just hear Patty yelling in anger about... Um, how this book, Guns, Germs, and Steel, had like what, like fourteen chapters on agriculture. Yeah, <laughs> it was just driving him absolutely mad. Like I really wanted to get to the good, the good section of that book. The guns and, just, and the germs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just agriculture. Oh like, man! <laughs> and then I remember we came back, and then you you bought all those books on like um, hydroponic gardening and things like that. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it's, I guess that the, like it, it was always kind of there, mm. but then um, I don't know. My life kind of diverged me in a little other other different ways. For kind sure, of forgot about it, and then rediscovered the passion. That's awesome. Have so. you have you heard like the? Uh, I don't know if it's a rainforest or basically like any jungle at all. Um, they all have like really poor soils. Yeah, and like they didn't understand how like. Huge civilizations could it's the live. Amazon. You're the Amazon. About. So yeah. you're talking about the uh, the the crazy soil they made. Yeah, out of like so something. like um, charcoal soil. They use yeah. another. Uh, uh, what was it called? Um, basically, they take and they do they in these huge pits. They like burn a lot of wood and um, they make biochar. Biochar. That's so biochar is basically um, uh, like charcoal, but like kind of a little bit like very more like refined charcoal because in the spaces of charcoal you can fit like uh, i don't know two billion microbes that are super beneficial and so it creates this huge super beneficial um 
soil structure for these plants to kind of latch onto and feed off of. And they found like pits in the Amazon rainforest from like 6,000 years ago that are still actively producing good soil for the, the, the trees around it, which is That's really crazy. crazy. Wait, That's pretty what? crazy. Yeah. 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 They Whoa. couldn't figure out really like yeah. how. I knew, I knew like maybe maybe it's figured out now, but I know before it was like a huge secret, like how are they making yeah. like viable soil out here to be able to feed like millions of people because, because the Amazon jungle <clears throat> used to be like a city, you know? And you can buy biochar now and add it into your soil, but you don't want to use it too much because it'll suck the nutrients all into the biochar itself. So okay. when you use it lightly... And the first year, you won't really see as much impact, but like the next, the years to follow, you'll see a lot more impact. Mm. So the biochar is just basically like a burnt pile of yeah, brush. Yeah, it's, it's basically like um, like um, what's the charcoal in like carbon filters? Activated charcoal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, basically yeah. like activated charcoal. And that just creates like a good environment for all those microbes to thrive in. Yeah, because it's so porous. Okay. It's like okay. Um, Whatever it's called, like there's more surface area yeah. in it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's interesting. That in that perspective it makes sense. <laughs> well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. When I read about it. But I thought it was like a secret they didn't they still didn't know. But maybe they know. That's Yep. I remember that friggin' there was a kid at a party who was all about the um like the uh microbe microbe soil level bullshit. He mm-hmm. was super into it. Yeah, you want a good, healthy microbe level. Um, I just, I just, just the other day, I tried to make uh, worm tea. Yeah. With, for my plants, so I've had like this um, mealworm farm and like this Tupperware tote. I've had it for like three years now. Yeah. So I finally just like fed all the worms to my chickens and just yep. kept. I have like four inches of just like straight up mealworm shit. Yeah. And so I made tea out of it, and dude, I probably made like. 40 gallons of tea out of it because there's so much of it and that stuff smells so nasty yeah dude. oh it's my awesome. god it smells like the most wretched chicken shit on the planet <laughs> and i try to pour i was afraid to like it seemed like it was so strong i didn't want to like pour it on my plants and kill them so at first i just like poured them on my sunflowers because if i lost my sunflowers it's not the end of the world sure and they seemed like they did good yeah and i poured them on my tomatoes the other day i'm hoping i didn't murder them so is is the tea exactly what I think it is? You just take all that dried mealworm stuff. And no, I just feel- it's like the tea is like the juices that like they secrete from like breaking down, oh, really? uh, like the like the cabbage, whatever greens you're feeding them and stuff, and they'll they'll secrete this like juice as they're digesting and turning into worm castings. Mm. So what did I make then? Um, you kind of made like a worm tea kind of thing worm tea kind of thing um uh but like the the best way to collect like worm tea is if you do like a double layer system yeah and with the the worms digesting your stuff on top and you like cut holes in the bottom right and you can like catch the drippings and mm. like actually get the juice itself and oh. you can dilute that down and apply that to your plants weird yeah so like a like a tea that you kind of made you kind of like brewed it um yeah you try to get like the when you're brewing it did you use like um like a molasses like a catalyst or anything like that no i just added water to like a bunch of shit yeah mixed it up so it's better like the better way to do it is make like an actively aerated compost tea 
which is where you take compost and then like worm castings, put in like a little like uh, nylon sock or an actual compost kind of like uh, tea bag, and then put it in a 55 gallon drum. But you have to get, and then you have to air actively aerate it with a uh, pump in a huge, in a big air stone, not like uh, an aquarium air stone, but like a bigger one, about the size of like. Uh, uh, about a grapefruit? A, yeah, about the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> and you need a strong pump, too, to keep uh, the water pumping through. And the bacteria in the worm castings and the compost will feed off the molasses and oh, so the you're air. making like an actual... Yeah, there's yeah. like a fermentation going fermentation. on. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically making a big old vat of good beneficial bacteria. And you, when you add that into your soil and your plants, it doesn't actually feed them, but it makes nutrients more available for your plants. So when you have like a rich bacteria soil, you're basically, the bacteria doesn't feed the plants. What does the bacteria do? It eats nutrients? No. So this is a good point for soil kind of food web. So your plants like um, take in sun and they make sugars and they send the sugars down to the roots and bacteria and different insects and fungus feed off these sugars from the roots of the plant and basically give back other nutrients like insects aerate the soil um, bacteria um, and fungus make uh, nitrogen more available for the plant so the plant will send uh, nitrogen down into the soil which is in an uh, N3 form, and then the plants will, or I mean the bacteria, fungus will make it into an N4 form, so the plants can, can then... Can reabsorb it? Yeah, can actually absorb it and feed off of it. Huh. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So it's like a, this whole ecosystem, the, the soil, what is it called? The soil... Soil food web. Soil food web, yeah. Oh, so it's it, crazy. Is it like the relationship between all these organisms working together? Yeah, yeah. Basically, like you know, the like cert, like, big old circle of life thing. It's <laughs> it's huge. And it's crazy down there, man. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so it would be better to have that bacteria in the soil than to like just enrich the soil with like nitrogen. Yeah. So when you use like salt-based fertilizers, yeah, which would be like if you just like throw in nitrogen down, which is like what most people do you can you can use good um uh organic there's a few organic like nitrogen um things you can use but they're really expensive most people use like a salt based uh fertilizer and the salts actually kill off all the microbes and basically uh, life yeah. in the soil so then you're stuck with just using those salt based fertilizers for now and, on, basically, yeah, right? forever because your soil's garbage after that. So basically, like what you're doing is you're hurting that food web, yeah, by destroying the back. You're creating an environment for the bacteria to not yeah. grow in by just putting those nutrients in there rather than feeding them. Yep. So you're making it so that they can't do their job and they're dying off. So now. You're stuck just... It's a, It's almost like a Band-Aid kind of situation. Yep. Rather, like if you have an open wound and, you know, rather than getting to the, the root cause of the problem, you're just, you you're know... You're not suturing the wound. You're just applying a nice, light Band-Aid. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so you're basically using those salt fertilizers in your 
so you're killing that soil yeah in a way is that what like miracle grow is yeah oh yep. okay that's why i was like oh don't use miracle grow man it's horrible okay. that's why but it makes miracles grow mm, miracles yeah. But then you have to buy more soil and, <laughs> and you and just more. keep so what, if, yeah. so what if you like used one of those like Miracle Grow bags of soil? It's still junk. It's still, still like junk. laced with like salt based so fertilizers. It has salt mm. in it. Yeah. So how much is like too much? What if I use that one time now my soil's ruined forever? Or is um, there kind of like a leeway? I mean, like once if you use like one application, you're probably, probably okay. All right. It's, I mean, it's not good. Not right. good at all. But I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I haven't used any of it at all so that's good yeah but i mean i have my own compost that i make yeah compost is really good most yeah. of the time you can like especially if it's just like a vegetable garden all you really need is just good compost really and a l- couple other little amendments depending on what you're like farming if you do like heavy like fruiting like plants like tomatoes then you'd want like a little more bone meal and uh uh, Eggshells work for that's uh, calcium. calcium. Calcium, yeah. All right, yeah. Never mind. Uh, potash, a little bit more potash, or wood uh, ash, wood to uh, kind of like uh, mix in there, and that'll help with like fruiting plants. Hmm. <clears throat> now, for those who are listening at home, or in their car, or really wherever they listen to their podcasts, in their garden, in the bathtub. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Patty, what what is composting? So compost thing is basically when you take your non-meat vegetable scraps, you throw it in a pile. Okay. And you let non-meat it sit there. And non-vegetable or well, just non-meat non- vegetable scraps. Okay. You know, most of that just you can you, you can put eggshells in there too. You can put coffee grinds. There's actually a lot of things you can compost. You can compost like paper towels. Yeah. Those you can throw those in there too. So how do you set up a compost? Uh simplest way is just throw start throwing stuff in a pile, throw a little bit of dirt over it, and then keep out of the pile. Okay. Uh bacteria and insects are gonna start going through that and digesting it and you'll have a big old pile of nutrient rich dirt in a little while. So from the time you start a compost. Yeah. You know, you use your food scraps, leftovers yeah. from dinner times, cooking, things yep. like that. Um, from the time you start a compost, when is it, like, actually viable to use in your um, soil? Um, eh, I would, like, if you started in the beginning of the summer, I would say by next planting time, you would have a definite pile of something that you could probably use most uh, probably everything by the next by springtime would be digested and kind of so about eight nine or ten months yeah it takes a little while i mean okay. you can't just you know throw <laughs> no pile right, 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 right you can like mm-hmm. rotate it right and it'll speed yeah. up processes yeah i mean you're supposed together. to like it out there and like kind of shovel it too but yeah. like i mean i don't like to just because you know if you go in there and start shoveling that kind of like moves around like the fungal it destroys the fungal hyphae and um what the fuck is that the fungal hyphae <laughs> is the like mushrooms and fungus that's how they're that's the main part of them how they like they branch out and it's very it's actually very delicate that's why like no there's a big push for like no-till gardening because huh. <clears throat> never heard of that yeah well the, the if you destroy the funguses like the mycorrhizae like you know kind of heard of that right that like yeah. uh Really, all right, so mycorrhizae helps is basically a type of like fungus that helps the plants feed from and uh, kind of like what I was talking about with the uh, 
the web. Yeah, the web. The web. Yeah, yeah the slow food web. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is like the relationship between the fungus and then all the other bacteria and worms and stuff like that are going through the soil. Yeah. So you like, don't want to till. So you don't destroy the f- the root system of the mushrooms, yeah. right? The yeah. mycelium. So is, does that create? Yeah, like the, the mycelium, mycelium and yeah. everything, right? That it, it's like a kind of a super highway for all that stuff. Yeah, like, pretty much. I mean, like it's little, like it's a big kind of network of everything in there, and then it's like there's tons of other different things in there, like nematodes and protozoa, and some of them are bad, but as long as you keep a good. Uh, like a uh, good balance of the good ones and keep adding in beneficial bacteria and beneficial fungus, then it'll keep the uh, bad ones, bad, bad things you don't want. Down you want to overpopulate levels. with good ones yeah. so that the bad ones can't thrive. Yeah. So how do you know like what, what you're adding good fungus or good? Well, if you're brewing like a compost tea, I mean, as long as it smells good and smells earthy, then it's good. And okay. Most everything that's bad is going to be like anaerobic and you know it smelled like shit. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. all the smelly shit that I dumped all of my plants is probably going to be bad for them. Uh, I mean, depends. Like mm. if it was just that worm casting stuff. I mean, some of that stuff is like a little weird. So I just feed be them. All right. I just feed them oats. Those worms. Yeah. They eat like oats and like potatoes. Oh yeah, it'd probably be good. That's all they really ate. That's all they really can eat, those mealworms. Yeah. You know, they use the potatoes, I think, for moisture, and I think they just eat the oat. Yeah. But it was, like, super fine. I read that somewhere that um, the finer the, like, worm castings are, like, the denser they are in, yeah. in, like, whatever. And this stuff is, like, it's like dust. It's so fine. Oh, wow. So I basically just took them all out. I took all the, the shit out, the castings, and I just added it with water, mixed it up. And, and then just dumped it in. <laughs> yeah. Give it a little slurry. Hopefully it works. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I, was, I didn't really understand why I was doing it. I just did it. But the bacteria thing makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To me. Man, so you have to, like, build, like, an ecosystem. For yeah. It. That's crazy. I mean, well, the good thing is, like, once you have the ecosystem established, it's really easy to maintain yeah i mean it's kind of hard to mess everything else up and then you just added like a few like minor amendments and you're does it like te- temperature must affect them though right i mean yeah that's why you should put down some mulching over like your uh, stuff that'll like help protect um like if you're making soil beds it's good it is a good idea to use mulching and you could use even like just like grass clippings yeah that'll protect that'll protect the top layer of soil and it'll hold in moisture too i always thought compost got pretty hot uh, well, there's two. There's a cold compost and a hot compost. If you're doing using hot compost, that means you probably added in a different, like either like cow manure or like chicken manure that needs to rise up to a certain temperature so it kills off all the pathogens in it. Oh, hmm. yeah, interesting, dude. You've been like <laughs> James. You've been at work with your garden at home. Yeah, I've been trying to trying to make a solid garden. Like, what do you? What have you? pretty much laid down this season for vegetables yeah what do you got going on oh jesus here we go i got i got like 40 to 50 tomato plants i probably have like 10 cucumber plants like 30 pepper plants but they're all different i got like six squash of each squash so i have spaghetti squash butternut I probably have 10 zucchini plants. I got a fuck ton of bar- broccoli, onions. I got all, I got all, like everything. Brussels sprouts, Damn. garlic. 
And you, radishes, you, were, you were lettuce. You were planting last year. Yeah. So last year I had like a small. I had like a fifteen by forty garden, and I just made another fifteen by forty garden. Um, and then I'll have a greenhouse up. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. This is my second year doing gardening hardcore, and I'm trying to do everything right. But I'm still learning like every day. Yeah, it takes a like a takes a couple of years, couple of seasons, yeah. kind of like see how everything kind of like works. You know, reacts. works. Have you run into any, or was there any problems that you ran into last year that you've sort of tried to overcome? Or mm, yeah, fuck ton, man. Like what? like weed weed control yeah. last year was a kick in the face. I was out there every weekend weeding for like an hour, and I was like, I, you can't almost never keep up with them. They yeah. just they grow faster than anything. They grow faster than freaking grass. Yeah. This year I weeded hardcore, and then I put a bunch of hay down, and I was hoping that. Uh, the hay will kind of keep the weeds at bay, which they are pretty well. Yeah. And then I was hoping I could just retill that hay in in the fall, and maybe it can give it a boost. Uh, I mean, sort of, but like with hay though, it's the if you want to give put nitrogen in your soil. Yeah. Uh, grass clippings. The greener the greener it is, the, the more um, nitrogen it has available, mm. and hay really doesn't. Yeah. You know, another thing you could do too is you take. Um, alfalfa um and mix it in with your soil and that'll act as like a vermiculite and air it like so it'll give you kind of air pockets too. alfalfa seeds uh alfalfa uh just the alfalfa itself the grain like the greens Uh, like the full alfalfa greens yep i don't think i'm familiar with it yep uh so you sprinkle that into your soil yeah mix it in till it in and when it breaks down it'll add in nitrogen and it's porous so that lacks adds like um air pockets so would you just like go to the grocery store and buy uh no you want to go to like um like a, a local hard, farm or something yeah farm or farm wear store and it's a seed supply. alfalfa seed um no it's like more it's of like the a green the green yeah 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 so alfalfa comes from a seed you can sprout it like people eat alfalfa sprouts oh, okay yeah. and then you can also get like that'll grow bigger into like a green it's like yeah. you could have it in a salad oh so you grow that while your um, plants are growing actually Maybe it's not called alfalfa. Might be called something else, something different. Scratch that. Never mind. That's too much. Hold on. So there's some kind of green that you can get from like a tractor yeah, supply store. Yeah, it's you throw like those a, seeds down. When, they're not seeds though. <laughs> yeah, it's when like a, it's like almost like a rice kernel. Like uh, oh. it looks like a rice kernel almost, but it's super green. Okay. And um, I thought it was alfalfa. It might Is not it like be. alfalfa sprouts or something. No, it's something. Um, I forgot what it is. I th- thought it was like uh, alfalfa. Maybe I'm. Fuck, uh, can't I uh, can't think of it off the top of my head. Right. We'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll think. Th- I'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah, the weeding thing. I'm trying to get the weeding un- under control. Learning about like not realizing that some plants take multiple years to grow is was kind of like hard for me to deal with at first, and I was like, "Fuck, this is gonna suck." But like now, I have asparagus plants that are like four years old. And now I can finally eat asparagus. <laughs> it's like it's that was annoying. I was like, oh wait, this is gonna take three years to f- like before it's actually viable to pick. <laughs> but now I have like twelve asparagus plants that are like between four and two, so that's cool. Um, learning that onions take two years to grow, I learned that this year because last year I grew a bunch of onions. I put sets in, which are basically just like mini bulbs, real small onion bulbs, and I planted those last year. And then I picked them last year, but they were only like 
the size of like a tennis ball or smaller. Mm. So I was like, oh, these are really small onions. Like, how the fuck do they make them bigger? Like at the grocery store, they're huge. And I found out that it takes two years because I accidentally forgot to pick a row last year. And they came back up this year. Uh. And those onions are like as tall as me. The actual green part, yeah, and they're like softball size onions now. Oh, that's cool. Nice. So this year, I'm not going to pick any of my onions. Let them all die, and then they'll come back next year, and I'll have like a huge onion crop next year. Oh, nice. Well, you still have to grow the the world's largest onion. Yeah. So that I just figured out is probably going to take me multiple years. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'm going to have to grow those have them grow they'll probably be like sit they're gonna be like tennis ball size sets and then grow those freaking sets again next year or the year after that and then they'll get massive yeah so it's that's gonna be a multiple year thing mm. so but I, now now that i'm getting a greenhouse i can just spot a greenhouse this summer i'm gonna set it up it's like and it's like 40 feet long i'm gonna start all the stuff in there this year mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a it's going to be so good. you can start earlier than you normally would because it's warmer in the greenhouse earlier right yeah it, it extends it, it extends your growing season like a month on both ends hmm. so you can grow a month earlier and you can you can harvest a month later that's cool aside from that is there any other benefits to a greenhouse uh besides like extending growing seasons that's pretty much the main thing right uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty much you're getting some, but if you have a delicate plant, though, like, um, like, actually, I think in this area, if you were to grow marijuana, you'd probably want to grow it inside of a greenhouse because um, it protects us from the weather, and okay. so you'd have less mold issues, okay. which is a huge thing out here. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm having some mold. <clears throat> I'm not having mold problems, but I know I have a peach tree, and it has a fungus problem. And that's because of all the wetness we've had. Yeah. We've had oh, yeah. a really wet season yeah. this year. Yeah. So my peach tree has leaf curl and it's fucking so annoying. So how do you deal with that? Like, uh, so fungus sh- problems, like any sort of plant diseases. Yeah. Well, uh, you first, the, well, the first step is, is kind of like identifying it. And that can be kind of tricky, you know? You get, um, there's a few really good online resources out there, but WebMD, uh, WebMD, kinda. I mean, I actually been messing around with a couple apps trying to find a good app. There are some of them out there. Haven't found a good one yet, but they take pictures and kind of do try and do a self diagnosis. Sure. Um, other than that, it's like googling. You know, I could spot this plant. Yeah. yeah. I feel like another benefit for greenhouses pest control. Yeah. You know, you could keep a lot of things that you don't want there out true like uh i have um what is it called cabbage moth around my yard and it destroys all of my i think it's called broccolis yeah. the broccoli and the cauliflower the cabbage everything in that family everything yeah. in that family they yeah. go after because it's like a thick green okay like collard greens so too the only thing about that is though you are still gonna have to have like the doors and the sides up on the greenhouse once yeah. it's really hot out because right. The temperature once plants stop growing once it reaches a certain temperature is usually like about like 94 degrees they'll stop and shut down growing completely oh really yeah it's like stunted almost yeah yeah i mean yeah i'll probably do that anyway have windows in it and have a cross breeze yeah but i could always like probably have screens on it right 
yeah, yep, screen screens, door, yep. screen, screen windows. Out, yeah. And but in general, you know, it'd be harder for a moth just to find that door to go in, you yeah. know, as opposed to like, right. hey, yeah. wherever I want to go, I just go. Yep. <laughs> Lay eggs in your friggin' Brussels sprouts yep. again. Bitch, how does that make you feel? Yeah, last year I was, it took me nine months to grow Brussels sprouts. I think my biggest Brussels sprout was the size of a marble, and like the worms devoured it. Oh, man. So it sucked. It's the cabbage moth. It's hard to deal with. I know like, people who are having issues with gophers just tearing up. Oh, yeah, they're horrible. Yeah. Just tearing like up. that are horrible. My dogs keep my garden guard. Um, yeah, that's kind of the best defense if you, if you have, like, a dog. Okay. My dogs um, are hardcore about animals. They I've love them. seen a bunch of different tricks. You can, like, try and get, like, um, peppermint, this peppermint powder. Okay. Uh, keeps away some, like, varmint kind of rodents like that, but... Best thing is, is just there any humane a, ways, like not besides like slaughtering it. Yeah, I don't. You know, I would shoot it with like a you know twenty two I mean, yeah, or anything. Well, I mean, like a dog, catch them. dog. Yeah. yeah, if you can try and catch and release them. Okay, but, but I then mean, it's, it's just gonna go eat someone else's farm, and they're gonna be pissed. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's a. I found a cool way to get rid of moles. If you have a mole problem, people say that moles don't disturb your vegetables, but they totally do. Yeah, they'll eat your carrots and stuff. You find their holes and you put a little piece of juicy fruit gum in there. Yeah, and it kills them. What? Yeah, Whoa. they'll they'll eat the gum and they can't digest it. Oh my god! It's a kind of a dark way to kill them. That's a super dark yeah. way. Man. <laughs> Come on now, you get rid of them. <laughs> also, you can take um, a hot pepper spray and spray it on your plants. And like one, if you have like deer or anything that's trying to eat your like leafy plants, they'll yeah. come back by and eat it. My Get chickens. the hot pepper. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. think chickens can taste spicy. I think I read that somewhere. <sighs> I used to give them paprika and uh, chili powder. Oh, really? Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> I put it in their food, and they just and it makes your yolks real, real orange. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, what am I gonna do? My greenhouse. I'm gonna put my bees in my greenhouse in the winter. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe it'll keep them alive mm. this year because I had trouble last year. So if somebody wants to start a garden, like I know at some point in the future I probably will, but not not in the next couple of years probably. Yeah. Uh, but like, what is the first step? It's got to be the soil, right? Getting the soil uh, right? Placement and where the sun is. Okay. Yeah, it's probably okay. number yeah. one is sun. Because right. you can build the soil, but if you build it in a behind your house where there's no sun that's kind of fucked sun is key (laughs) and do you have to take in certain consideration for certain crops or or do most like fruits and vegetables require like full sun mostly mostly full sun sun. I mean there's a temperature thing I think when it comes to like broccolis and stuff they like the cooler so you just you just manage them and when you plant them okay plant them early in the spring and late in the fall and then you plant your like more full sun hot plants like tomatoes and peppers yeah. in mm. the summer. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think your number one thing is sun. So you want to find the like the sunniest spot of your yard. Uh, and if you're on like a hill, you want yeah. It depends on like what you want that that south facing uh, slope because that's uh, that's going to be the best light. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. The sun. Rises in the east, sets in the west, right? Yep. yep. So you kind of want to... Yeah, kind of make, you know, do you like a count, like, um, like count the hours of the day, like, in, like, one spot where, like, see where where the sun kind of moves around, where the shadows are kind of placed, you know? Mm-hmm. To make sure that that spot that you pick is going to be 
in sun most of yeah. the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what people kind of don't think about too. They're like, oh, I got this cool spot right here, but then you know, get sun partially in the morning and then no sun in the evening and you're not going to have any production there. So they'll just pick a spot that's convenient for them based on like, oh, well, there's nothing going on in this part of my yard, so I'm going to put the garden there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, my friend, my friend Kirk, he tried, just almost did that too. He was like, oh, I got this space right here by my garage. I'm going to buy all these pepper plants and whatever. And I was like, yeah, but that's going to be, has no sun there, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, oh. That's a problem. It's like, yeah, it's a huge problem. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to get some big, like, floodlights out there, like, uh, yeah, uh, can, emulate sunlight. You, know, you can <laughs> buy some LEDs yeah. and get those out. But if you see, like, old properties, a lot of their backyards are, like, going from east to west. Yeah. Because they used to grow a lot. Oh, and yeah. all their yeah. properties are open for the sun. Yep. yep. Like, a lot of people's backyards were just for gardening and, or farming. Yep. Yep. And even now with solar panel fields, they're all the same thing, too. Yeah. You Makes know? sense. Because they want that sun. Yeah. Gotta get that sun, baby. So after that, what's next? Uh, after that, um, probably would be if you have a compost, get a compost pile already. Okay. Get that would, going before you start, yeah, actually. Like, if you're thinking about starting a garden next season, start composting now. Start taking note of where the sun is and sun placement. Um, then, you know, just kind of start... Go out and buy a gardening book, too. Yeah, Yeah, read something. Start reading, getting tips. Yep. I wish what I did first was um, plant, like, a nitrogen-rich grass or something. Oh, nitrogen, like, a nitrogen fixer. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this is kind of a good thing. I, like, talk about, like, the three sisters, like, how we were talking about that the other day. So, uh, uh, what is it? Beans. Beans is a nitrogen fixer. And what the Native Americans would do is plant that, interplant that with corn and squash. And so they are kind of like feed off of each other, and they all work together. Yeah. So is this a crop rotation kind of thing? No, they they would just this plant is just them all like next to each other, all next to each other, in like a like a kind of like a big old patch. Yeah, and okay. they just plant it all together. They're called the three sister plants yeah. because one of them would produce something that the other one needs, yep. and then be and, like a circle. It, it yeah. has like, like it has like so many different benefits. Yeah, but they basically what what is it called when? Um, Two plants work together, or two organisms work. They're like symbiotic. Symbiotic, yeah. Okay. So they're symbiotic. And um, so basically, you would want to, what, plant the corn first? Well, yeah, the corn first, because that... uh, So you get a stock going. Yeah. uh, The beans, second, pretty much. The corn and the beans, you kind of just plant them together. The squash kind of comes in a little bit later. Yeah. So basically, the bean plant will climb up the the corn stock. Okay. And then you plant the squash underneath it, and it's like almost a weed control. Yep, and, and the, uh, yeah, covers the covers the ground. It's a cover crop, yeah. ground right? cover. Uh, yeah, ground cover. Yep. So that's a weed control, and then the beans are nitrogen rich, right? They well, they're nitrogen fixers, so they take in nitrogen from the atmosphere and just shoot it down in the soil for all those cool microbes yeah. that turn into. So it still is the the N three, right? Uh, so yeah, it takes in N three, I think, and then. The bacteria. Turns it into N4. And then the, yeah. and then the, all those plants can absorb the yep. N4. Yep. But you need a good bacteria to be able to convert that, right? Yes. Yep. So the bacteria is probably, your soil is definitely step number two yeah. before planting is you want to have well, yeah, good I mean, soil. Well, yeah, if you have a good compost pile, that you can make compost tea and start inoculating your soil with a good bacteria. Yeah. 
Is there a way to test your soil initially to like, I don't know, test levels of like nitrogen um, or your pH yes. or microbes? There, what what but, is kind of important is testing your soil for pH because you want to make sure you have like a neutral pretty much. Um, so around like seven. Uh, a little bit like six. I think it's like six four is what plants like something okay. like that. Okay. So and then if it's too high or low, you'd want to add any like lime. Lime lime is too acidic, or uh, like what humic acid a little bit to bring up the uh, soil acidity. They'll bring it up a little bit too. So it's, it's a little too the base. bases too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's some plants that like more but, acid though, right? Yeah, there are. I mean, it depends. Like if you look like a hydrangea plant. They can take whatever, and depending on how acidic or base the soil is, depend that will like determine the color of the hydrangea oh, flower. Oh, somebody was telling me about this yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're a cool, cool plant to plant around your foundation. You can change up the color scheme and whatever you want. Mm. Mm. And you could you could use that as kind of a, like a litmus test, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for you what do that you're, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. I just kind of read a bunch about plant placement when I was doing garden research on like what plants you should plant next to each other and which ones you shouldn't really plant next to each other. Oh, uh, a good book for that is Carrots Love Tomatoes. Really? Yeah, it's all that goes into in-depth about companion planting. Yeah, companion yeah. planting. Mm-hmm. So what is Happy this? Planting. Uh, companion planting is like how, well, you like, uh, for instance, uh, the three sisters, that'd sure. be companion planting. Right, okay. Um, also, if when you interplant like marigolds in your garden, the smell that has is has a bug deterrent, so that's another cool thing to do. To do, um, it's a couple other eggs. I can't really think. I of always one. read that you 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 should plant like your tomatoes, peppers, and basil together. Yeah, and I heard that was a good combination. Um, I think they just I don't know why. Yeah, but I mean, I always think of like tomato sauce and salsa yeah. or whatever. I'm like, those two are good together. They're always good together. Right. It sounds good. Huh? Good together. Yeah. Then you can plant them. Yeah, together. No, it's true. <laughs> but I mean, I could understand like not planting like a potato near an onion near a carrot because yeah. they're all competing for root space yeah. as opposed to. Oh, yeah. That's know, a good point. Yeah, you know, yeah. like don't put like your onions and potatoes together because yeah, they're all com- they're all underground plants. Mm. Yeah, and they're going to be competing for each with each other. But they taste good in a stew, though. There goes that theory. Don't plant your beef your beef plants next uh, to your potato plants. Oh, even though they're man. delicious. What about um, like actual plant? So we we talked about sort of um, like orientation to the garden in reference to uh, the sunlight. Yeah, but what about like? spaces between the plant like I, I can't just go out there with a bunch of seeds and just start sprinkling throw them overhand uh, like into the field and then so like good luck well there's a couple like competing theories of thought like um like for instance we we're talking about three sisters garden that's everything's really planted really close together okay and like what what is what do you mean by close like, like the beans legit climb yeah the stalk okay. of the yeah. corn so, so they're almost right next to each yeah. other they are. So I'm going to throw them in the same hole. Yeah, pretty. I mean, pretty much like you do that, and then you get the squash around there, which is also super close. But then there is that that train of thought. Well, wait, you know, I don't want these competing with each other. Sure. So you want people to really space things out, like foot foot and half apart. Yeah. You know, and try and do that. I think the main thing besides competing with each other for nutrients is you want you want air circulation within your plants, or it's going to cause a mold yeah. or a fungus. 
You know, if your plants are getting rained on and then there's water pockets on the leaves yeah. and they can't get enough okay. circulation to dry off, they're going to get moldy. They're going to start a fungus mm. and, is, it, and it's just going to spread. What does that look like? Uh, depends like, on well, what it is. Most most funguses you'll see on plants is probably going to be like a powdery mil- mildew. Yeah. And that just okay. looks like a white kind of like white fuzzy crap on your leaves. Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah, a yeah. white yeah. dust. Yeah. yeah white covered dust. by everything. Yeah. Um, but you can also mistake that with like just water stains. Yeah, true. But you can tell because you'll be able to tell it, it is like a white dust, like a chalk yep. all over your leaves. Okay. And I'll basically suffocate your plants. Yep. Okay. Um, but then there's also other stuff like in tomato plants. A lot of people will, um, as they grow, you'll cut those bottom leaves off so they don't touch the ground. Yep. Because that will just promote like bugs to crawl up on them. It's easier for them to get yeah. access to the plant. And then also like fungus and stuff to grow yeah. from Usually the Usually anything ground. dead you want to pull out and get out of there as soon as possible. Okay. Because yeah. dead shit just brings in other bad, bad shit. Sure. Yeah. Um, Is there any benefit to like a, like a raised bed garden? Uh, yes. Um, most mostly uh like uh it's for more uh more like uh mounting uh it's more like an urban territory where you don't have like you can all right so you can do it a couple different ways you can do like a like a raised bed it's like an urban garden like if you want to do like a rooftop garden just have like a like a soil big old vat of soil and you raise it up to give you more soil depth okay that's another kind of reason also it's kind of like ease on the gardener if you're outside you mostly want as much the the bigger the root stru- biggest root structure root, stru- uh, root structure possible <laughs> um, okay and having a no bottom and just like having a raised bed allows kind of like a bigger root structure to go down in there also drainage is a big thing too so if it's a raised bed it's you know not going to get pooled with water Okay. Yeah. But wouldn't that, wouldn't it, with a raised bed, wouldn't that put limitations on the root structure itself? I mean, as long as there's no bottom and you're not growing on a rooftop, no, because it'll just grow right down to the soil below. Yeah, the only restriction would be like width wise, right? But depth wise, they can just keep going. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. Um,. All right, so let's let's we oh, hypothetically, okay. I have this property. Yeah. Um, I've selected my area where it gets most sunlight. I've started yep. my compost. Okay, like what's the next step here? Uh, picking out your plants. Um, pretty much creating a good plan. Yeah, definitely right. a plan. Yeah. Plan out your garden. Make and a like, garden map. It takes, in a way. Yeah, it takes pretty much like a good like four to six months. They say. To plan out your garden, you know? So what does that entail? What, what, what? All it entails doing your research. What do you want to plant? Where do these plants grow the best? You know? Make sure you kind of line everything up, like companion planting too. Okay. Um, Prepping you want, your site is probably yeah. pretty big. You know, yep. you want, if you're doing it in a backyard where there's grass, you probably want to till all that yep. up with a tiller or do it the hard way and like hoe it all up yep get that grass out of there make some raised beds yeah that's make, either or build a fence. Of soil or okay. you know you know you got to think about pests you know yep. so you want to make sure you keep all those animals out so you got to build a fence in a way yep you don't have to but you might find out the hard way that <laughs> all your hard work goes <laughs> to shit when a 
like a squirrel or something comes in eats it like a deer come in and just screw everything up yeah <laughs> now are there are there certain plants like say i'm a novice to this okay yep. so are there certain plants i would want to select like that are less temperamental and that are just kind of more easy going to grow i mean, I mean yeah it's like, like what would those be man like are most, veggies easiest yeah i mean start with veggies whatever veggies you like Okay. Lettuce is pretty easy. It's pretty self-explanatory. You plant the seed and it grows. Mostly, like, once you plant your garden, it's just about really watering, all right? And you're still letting nature do its course, you know? Yeah. And then kind of managing the shit that just kind of comes along. So, like, the weeding and just making sure good air circulation. Yep. How how often do I water them? Uh, Or is that based on the rain season? I mean, if it's raining out for three days straight, then... You probably don't need to water that fourth day if it's cool still. But if it's like three days of hot sun, you want to be out there at least every morning watering. And then maybe a little bit at night. Just a okay. little bit. But there's some plants, too, that don't need as much water either. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. tomatoes don't need a lot of water. Yeah. You know, you don't need to be watering tomatoes every day. I remember when I was a kid, I was in like second grade, I, I, I had a little... You know, Dixie cup, and I had yep. a little potting soil, and I like put a little seed in there. And then, man, every morning I dump like sixteen ounces of water into that. I'm like, yeah, I'm watering, <laughs> watering my shit. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna grow. You can totally overwater your plants and I, kill them. I found that out. Yeah, a, get root rot. Yep. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. It's a sad day. Yep. Okay. It's basically just putting your feet in a swamp and just keeping them in there. You know. Yep. Mm, get that jungle rot. Yeah. Yep. The same thing with roots. And that's actually the only time I'd ever advocate using it like a salt-based fertilizer. If you had like a container pot that you overwatered. Okay. And you could actually kind of save it by hitting it really hard with like a miracle grow that's like a heavy salt-based fertilizer. Okay. That's, salt. A, that's a pot potted plant. Yeah, potted. Not like your garden. Yeah. That makes sense. Um Okay. All right, that makes sense. Now, are there any telltale signs that maybe my plants are lacking water that that I need to... Uh, You will start to definitely see, and you can definitely tell a plant that's like, oh, shit, I should water that plant. It looks sad. It looks very... starting to look very (laughs) sad, and it looks very, very sad, then you might have a problem. You're going to be careful because you don't want to overwater it because you'll shock its system, and then you'll kill it, too. Okay. So... Yeah, like... uh if I overwater, sometimes my plants will get droopy. Okay. Yeah. If I don't water them, the leaves start to curl. Yep. Oh, you know? okay. Yep. All right. It's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it would kind of make sense. Like, it starts to dry up in a way. And what happens when it dries up? It curls. And what happens when it's like soggy? It kind of gets droopy because it's yep. too full of water. You know, so it's like, sure. Yeah. Kind of makes sense a little bit. I think. Yeah, it's like a wet bird. Yeah. <laughs> Dry bird is nice and dry. (laughs) Crispy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have my plan. Four or five months, I've got my plant placement. I'm just growing some lettuce, some tomatoes, you know, all those things. Okay. I start the process. Okay. Yep. When is harvest time? Like, is it a certain time of year? Well, is it when? Well, usually like late, anywhere from late summer to early fall. You know, Halloween is usually like the big harvest kind of like time. Usually yeah. by Halloween, and most things are done. But okay. everything like has a certain day range too. You know, like depending. And mean? it depends on like the. All right, so like, say you have like a variety of tomatoes, like 
like early girl tomatoes will be an earlier harvest. They should be pretty much ripened and ready to pick in about 50 to 60 days. But then other different varieties of tomatoes, you can you they'll be ready to harvest in about 70 days. Yeah. So like from of, first sprout or like you know, from planting. Well, it depends. If you're sprouting seeds, everything's going to be a lot longer cuz you have to wait for that plant to mature and then It'll Probably start. from flowering, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mostly flowering time might get yeah. out. It's I think sixty days, maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I mean, if you want to start from seed with a tomato plant, you're probably going to be starting them in like friggin' March. Yeah, you February, mean most, March. Yeah, most seeds, like you mean, if you should root the earlier, the better. Like when I started my Brussels sprouts, I started that shit in January. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Inside. So, yeah. <clears throat> that brings me to a question. <clears throat> like, are there certain plants that you definitely don't want to start by seed if you're a novice? Like, yeah, hell yeah, uh, like yeah, any of them. So you want to go to a local nursery yeah. or greenhouse? It's cheaper and, in the long yeah. run, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, I wouldn't buy corn. There's a lot. There's like sowing yeah. seeds that you would would be good sowing seeds, like squashes. They're yeah. pretty fast to sprout yeah like sunflowers anyone can plant a sunflower seed they sprout in like five days Mm -hmm. um squashes corns um you know cucumbers are pretty fast the ones that really suck are like the cold season crops like broccolis cauliflowers they take a long time to start and they usually take a long time to finish Mm -hmm. tomatoes peppers um yeah broccoli cauliflower brussels sprouts and then anything that's like a leafy green, I would say you start from seed like lettuce, spinach, um, cat heads. I, I would start cabbage. I would buy cabbage. I wouldn't start that from seed. Um, onions. If you want to grow an onion or a garlic plant from seed, it takes three years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh, boy. Well, it takes three garlic, years. Garlic, you, you, you can just take the garlic from the store and break it into like Yeah, uh, you take the cloves out. Yeah, but you plant them like in the fall. Yeah, like for in, garlic, you want to plant in, like, October. Yeah. Yep. Before winter comes, yep. you plant that already. Mm-hmm. And yep. then they have a good early start to the spring, yep. and they're the first things up. Yep. They're up in, like, as soon as thaw happens. Oh, wow. Yep. So is there any other common plants like garlic that you'd want to plant that, like, late in the season? Uh, before? There's... Oh, fuck. Because the only one I've heard of is garlic. Like, yeah. I, I used I mean, to work with a guy that There's a pretty perennial good. plants like asparagus yeah. that you just keep. You never really... You plant them, and then you all you they'll die off. They'll come back in the spring. Okay. They're perennial, so they come back every year. Yeah, yeah. You never have to do anything with them. Um, they just die off in the in the winter. And they keep the, coming back. They keep coming back every year. Yeah. So um, that's a cool plant to grow. Those are pretty easy. You can't eat them for a few years, but you almost need nothing to take care of them. You just mm-hmm. let them do their thing. I usually cut mine back before they start to seed out so you don't have fucking asparagus everywhere yeah yeah same thing with carrot you don't want but most of your plants you don't want to seed out because then they become a weed in yep. a way you're okay. always the next season you'll find thousands of them in your garden <laughs> yeah so like a good thing like if you wanted to make a garlic you garlic has seeds it seeds out and it's a tiny little seed and then it'll make a tiny little garlic plant but then you got to plant those cloves and like i said it takes three years to actually get a garlic yeah. from a seed 
So most people just plant the cloves. So they're like does, starters. Does, yeah. So there's like a, a clove, a matured seed. Yeah. It's a set. Uh, yeah. Kind basically. Of yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's like a seed. It's called a set. Okay. Same thing with an onion. It's called a set. Yeah. Okay. And you plant these little bulbs. Yeah. And then they'll grow. And then you have an onion. Are those little bulbs <laughs> shallots or is that a different thing? <sighs> I think it's the same question, thing. Yeah. Uh, kind of. It's like, well, there's just kind of like a different variety. Like, it is it is a smaller onion, but like a shallot is like a different variety. A shallot won't get bigger? I'm no. not sure. Yeah, okay, a well. shell will pretty much stay the same. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, so going from that, that transferring, so going to your nursery, and so what is it? It's a, it's a seed that's been sprouted, taken care of. Yeah, has, I mean, you're going to get like a pretty much a live plant, a couple inches high, depending on... Yeah, it's uh, called the, a starter. Yeah, okay. the earlier in the season, you'll probably be able to grab some like uh, plants in a six-pack, and those will be cheaper. But okay. have a smaller root schedule. Later on in the season, like you'll get uh, some plants that are a little bit more expensive, like two-packs or like a four-inch pot, but it'll have a larger root structure. Okay. okay. How do you transfer them? Simple. All right. You want to do it in the morning on a sunny day. All right. Early in the morning. Um... So, and you want to do this because if you did it late at night and then you watered it, the water will sit in there. The roots won't actually grow in. So okay. you would just pop it out, push it out from the bottom. Make sure you have a small hole about the same size as the root structure. Pop it in there. Plant it with a slight little mound. And then water the outside around it because you want the plant, plant's roots to grow to the water. All right? And that way grow into the soil and establish itself uh, okay okay so you don't want to plant right in the middle of like where the the stem is coming up or whatever well, no, right? you can you can just you don't want to water right there okay yeah, yeah. you want to water a little you bit want the roots the... to work for it yeah, yeah. you gotta make yeah. them work baby okay okay a little tough love <laughs> i like it that's neat yeah. okay all right so i've harvested i've i've grown my crops yep it's it's, it's you know it's fall harvesting yep i've got a whole thing full of vegetables i'm sharing with my friends a lot of things too have different harvest times yeah okay so like you wouldn't be like oh it's harvest time for lettuce like lettuce is kind of like a plant that just grows throughout the year yeah and you just kind of prune it and as you go well, it you depends take on the lettuce. variety though if it's, it's a head of lettuce yeah yeah, yeah. If it's like uh what is it like open leaf like yeah. leaf lettuce you just cut that like mescaline you can like do that it's a really spinach. good one spinach yeah um but like there's some plants that you just harvest throughout the year, like cucumbers. Yep. They'll you grow, just continually like, just pick them off. And like, okay. Uh, Cherry indi- tomatoes. Indeterminate tomato plants, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so indeterminate tomato plants will grow all year round. Well, it'll grow and continue to make fruit throughout the year until it dies. Determinate tomato plants have one big bloom of flowers and one big bloom of fruit. Once those fruits come out, then the plant dies. Okay. It reaches an initial height. Once it reaches that height, then it it starts to bloom its flowers, bloom its tomatoes, and then you get one big batch of tomatoes. All right. Yeah. What? So, are there is there anything you need to prep for at the end of the season? Well, the end of the season, you can start thinking about doing like a cover crop to kind of protect your soil. Um, up here in New England, it's a little bit tough because we're probably going to get blanketed with snow and whatever you do plant is going to die anyways. So, but, um, I mean, you can still grow it in the fall and then it'll kind of die back and add ni- nitrogen 
into the soil. Okay. So. I wish I could remember, but there was a crop that was good in New England that you would throw the seed down yeah. right after. Yeah. It grows about a couple inches, and it's a good nitrogen fixer. Is that the alfalfa? It could be. I think it is. I, th- I think it's the alfalfa. That could be the alfalfa. <laughs> I think you put alfalfa down, and then, yeah. All right. Okay. It grows quick, and then, you know. Yeah. It's good for fixing your soils for the next year. Give it a little boost. So you're doing a little prep work for next yeah. year and getting yeah. things. Yep. Do you want to lay down like a like a cover or like a tarp over your... I mean, you can, but I mean... I don't really have is to. Is it going to do anything or to any benefit with the snow? Mm, eh, not I don't really. I feel like... You your ground's going to freeze anyways, so... Sure, sure. I feel like you wouldn't really want to do that because it, you're kind of missing out on any nutrients the soil could absorb also, throughout the winter. Also, air exchange, too. Yeah. You know? Okay. Because I, I was trying to think of a way to for weed control, and I read about um, some, like, plastics you put down. Yeah. It If you keep put that plastic down... <clears throat> It's kind of limiting your soil to receive new nutrients yeah. from anything. Okay. You know, because there's a plastic bag over it. Sure. So how is it getting new nutrients yeah. in? So I didn't want to go that route. Especially like rainfall. Rainfall just has a ton of na- nitrogen just kind of pushes down to the soil. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah what know. about like singing to your plants, playing music for them, um, that kind of stuff? The vibrations, hey. you know? Happy plants make happy fruit. All right. right. <laughs> it's been it's not like I had a guy, I knew a guy who would go out there and uh, sing to his plants. But there is actually something if you go out there and talk to your plants, you're actually when you talk, you're uh, exhaling carbon dioxide, which is what oh. the plants breathing in. So it there is, is a train of thought about that. Okay. Like, I mean, but, it's like in Ghostbusters 2 when they were, uh, you know, playing music for the slime and the toaster. Yeah, oh, yeah know, exactly, yeah. you know. Or, you know, you were taking the uh, the slime to bed. Yeah, the mood slime. The mood yeah. slime, yeah. yeah. You gotta be nice to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One thing I would highly recommend is um, getting your own bees. Yeah. That thing, those things work for you, man. They yep. help you out. They pollinate all your plants. Yep. You get bigger crop yields. Yep. Because they're just running around, pollinating stuff, mixing stuff together. Yep. So what is the point of pollination? What does that do? Pollination uh, um, well, makes fruit. Well, fruiting plants, yeah. Yeah, okay. So like... Nuts, too. Need pollinators. Yeah, I mean, if you have... Tomatoes. Like, there's some plants that are self-pollinating, mm-hmm. which means they have... You know, pollen. I the think male and female parts yeah. are like are, to, oh, are in one plant. Well, yeah. I mean, like lettuces and like tuber plants, like potatoes and like radishes and stuff like that, don't need pollinators. But like most all the other like vegetables and crops that we grow, you need pollinators for. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I guess like tomato. I mean, not tomatoes. Potatoes and stuff is like you're harvesting the root, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then lettuce, you're harvesting the leaves. Mm-hmm. You're not really harvesting the flower of them. Yeah, as opposed to like tomatoes that's the product of the flower being yep. because it's like just a giant pocket of seeds yeah yeah there's know? certain um depending on the plant is like what part of the plant you're harvesting right yeah yeah so yeah. like, like you're I, not eating the leaves of a tomato plant you're right. eating the fruit right <laughs> so i was before i got bees i was watching videos of people like po- self-pollinating their tomatoes to promote more tomato growth basically what they would do is get a vibrating toothbrush and just be like (laughs) just vibrating each flower on their tomato plants and basically it's making the pollen from that flower go inside the stamen to make the fruit but they need that movement Um, 
the bees aren't actually pollinating the plants on purpose. It's more of an accidental thing, right? Yeah. So what are they doing? They're they're gathering yeah. nectar to uh, make honey, basically. Okay. okay. Right. And then when they go in there, they have these little sacks on their legs that kind of catch the pollen. And um, then they go to the next flower and they deliver kind of that pollen there accidentally. Mm. Yeah. So before I got bees, I was out there with my vibrating toothbrush <laughs> fucking <laughs> tapping every single one of my flowers to see if I could get more tomatoes out of it. Nice. But now that I got bees, I don't do any of that shit and I get yep. tons of crop. That's cool. And, and then my neighbors. Honey. And I got honey. Yeah. And my neighbors get crazy crops. Yep. And like if you have, you need apple, if you have apple trees, I have an apple tree. Without those bees, I wouldn't get any apples because I only have one tree. Oh yeah, you need two trees. Yeah. Yep. To so they pollinate with each other. Yeah. But I have one. But a couple houses down, another guy has one, and then the, my, my bees just friggin' pollinate it for us. Nice. So it's good. God, so, bees are so wonderful. Yeah. Bees are awesome, man. Yep. Everyone should get bees because we're all gonna die if we don't have bees, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True story. Yep. This past winter was the the biggest die off of bees in his, in the history. Really. Yeah. Wow. My, both my colonies died. That's crazy. And I had to get two more this year. Is there a reason? They don't really know. There's so many. It's yeah, the cold I mean, temperatures, people not being understanding. There's also a parasite about. or uh, was it virus? It starts with a V. Yeah. Some um, weird name. It's called a ver- Varola mite. Yeah, Varola mite. Yeah, the Varola mite's really yeah. bad. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, that mite is basically like a tick for bees. Yeah. Wow. And they latch on and they suck its blood. Yep. And then they get, like, bee Lyme disease. In a way. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it either it will drain worse. them or it'll spread disease yeah. and it'll go on. And those things are just, like, fleas inside your hive. Yeah. Ugh. And you got to treat them with, you know, chemicals and stuff. Yeah. And that's never good. Mm. So you just got to make sure your hive's clean, do proper procedures, and then check. Make sure you check. I mean, they're legit ticks. Yeah. And they're, like... They're not as big as ticks, but compared to a bee, it's probably oh, like yeah. a frisbee on you. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's like a tick size, the size of a frisbee <laughs> sucking your blood. Wow. And some bees will have multiple, like they'll have three or four of them on there. So they're dead within a couple of days. Yeah. Damn. Um, so those can wipe out your hive. And then now we have Asian hornets coming out, which are giant. Yeah. Are those like, the massive, like. Like two fucking inches long. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! And they're putting little GPS backpacks on these fucking bees <laughs> to track them. So like these like ecologists and biologists will go out to the woods. I don't think we have this problem yet, luckily, but down south they do. Mm-hmm. And they'll catch one of these bees. They'll put this little bee GPS backpack on them and let them back out and find where they go. And then they'll trace where they go. And usually they'll. Go somewhere, come back to one location. Go somewhere, come back to one location. And that one location is their nest. Yeah. So it helps people find their nests so they can kill them. Mm-hmm. But and I was think... Was that like an infestation, something, um, a species that came over? Yeah, it came that, over... Like an invasion, a, a boat of flowers. Yeah, species. Yeah. Came over on flowers. Yeah. And then they obviously so were... Asian longhorn beetle and the... Uh, pallets. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, these came in fucking boatloads of flowers and obviously they did great here mm-hmm. they eat honeybees oh my god i don't know how many exactly but i thought it was something ridiculous like 25 like one of those hornies eats like 25 bees a day damn oh you know so damn. when you have a nest of them they're like wiping out hives yeah. left and right yeah. there's just so much against the honeybee and it's like one of the most important fucking things yeah. we need yeah people really don't realize like people are starting to kind of get it but like a lot of people don't really like realize yet yeah how important they yeah. are 
They pollinate all our stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hornets like, don't pollinate. Hornets are like meat eaters. Yellow jackets are meat eaters. They don't drink nectar. They mm-hmm. eat bugs. Um, but yeah, bees. I think bumblebees are pollinators too. Yeah. There's a couple wild. There's a lot. There's more. actually a lot of wild bee species. Yeah, wild bee species. Yeah, we have Little like I think like ones. four or five up here in New England. Yeah, at least four or five. And they're all different. They all there's like these little tiny black yeah, ones. Yeah, yep. If you ever seen Dude, those, Arizona has these massive like they're they're like uh, what's the lower part of an insect? The abdomen. The thorax. Is it the thorax? Thorax. thorax? Yeah. And then abdomen. Uh, yeah, abdomen, abdomen head. head. Abdomen thorax. Yeah. Dude, these things are like the size of a freaking golf ball, man. <laughs> and like they're just these massive black bees and. So you you hear them flying by, and it's like a it's like it's like you hear the rotor blades of a helicopter, <laughs> and like oh the wind God. going against it, man, just horrifying. Jeez. I don't know I don't know if they're like dangerous or not, but they've always freaked me out, man. There's some black parasitic wasps that are pretty crazy looking. Yeah, we got to get like an entomologist on. That'd be yeah, rad. That'd be cool. Yeah. Get someone yeah. who knows all about crazy bugs and bring some <sighs> in or some shit. Dude, the craziest bug I've seen. Well, when I was in California, there's this thing called a potato bug. All right, and it looks like uh, a miniature space alien, like from Alien from Aliens, like, like a xenomorph. Yeah, like looks like a mini xenomorph. It's the weirdest, like little, cr- and it's kind of big too. <laughs> it's like the you know the size of a small grapefruit. <laughs> oh god! You mean an orange? <laughs> Yo, it's crazy. Yeah, look at this thing, dude. Yeah, these are somebody actually. Um, photoshopped a picture of a potato bug with the predator with the, pre- with the predator thing on it you can see oh jesus that thing does look crazy yeah, yeah. And it's big too look at the size of that thing yeah. i was like digging a hole then all of a sudden i looked over and there's this <gasps> huge bug by my foot i was like holy shit man <laughs> that's that terrifying yeah man um all right so we're kind of coming towards the end of this. I, I do. There's. Uh, I have a couple of last minute questions. Shoot. Um, all right, man. So I've I've harvested my garden. I know I'm harvesting at different times and I'm picking different vegetables. Yes. Um, so what does it take to get ready for the next planting season? Like, am, am, like, do I rotate my crops? Like, do is it a different plan? Like, everything shift? Y- yes. Um, that well, I mean, it depends. If you companion plant right. You might not have to really rotate your crops that much. Okay. But rotating is kind of, I mean, it's kind of a good thing to kind of think about. But it does, I mean, it depends on what plants you planted where and what you planted them with. Um, if you're doing a whole no-till thing, kind of like, um, kind of deal. And you just kind of start the process all over again. I mean, you don't have to really pick out where your garden's going. Sure. Once you start the the planning process, you know you see what formed well, where they were. Okay. Go back to your little map, make notes. I mean, throughout the whole entire gardening season, it would kind of behoove a person to keep a little gardening journal. Okay. You know, so you can like say progress. You know, like oh, it's like mid June, things are going well, or it's like, well, it's mid June, we had a month of rain, and everything's just fucked so, <laughs> yeah. it's like what we had this year yeah like um but after your season's done and you're getting ready for your next like during the winter and you're kind of thinking about like all right so what am i gonna do next year in the garden you can bust out your little notepad notebook journal thing go through it 
You know, say like, oh, all right, so maybe I'll switch things around a little bit. So know? what do I want to record in this journal? Aside from like weather and patterns <clears throat> and like, you know. Probably your problems, right? Yeah, problems or okay. good things like, damn, my tomatoes are just great. I've had like, I got, <laughs> I got so much tomatoes. I don't know what to do with them. You know, like good things, bad things, um, anything that kind of happens in the garden. And mostly like when you're out there watering, you know, you're going to be looking at, you know, it's a good time to like look at your plants, kind of check them over, um, see how they're doing. Things are doing a little bad. Maybe you can feed them a little, a little bit. Um, Just like understanding yeah. the things you did that year and what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Like, oh, I planted too many tomato plants. They got, they yep. kind of suffocated. Yep. Or I, I could have probably fit a couple more, maybe take yep. advantage of that. Okay. Um, you know, or, things like, oh, my friggin' like for for me my butternut squash i planted four and they were like insanely huge they ended up spreading out through half my garden yeah and like i had to put them over the fence yeah. to grow in the yard like maybe so, don't grow that yeah, many don't grow that many or move them to a different area of the garden yeah okay understanding how big some plants get compared yeah. to others um some get choked out some yep. get blocked by the sun a couple things too after you harvest is to keep in mind um what you should save for the next year so like like we said in the beginning, a lot of sowing plants, like for seeds, like cucumbers, corn. squash, corn, you can keep those, yep. some of those seeds for the next year yep. so you don't have to buy packets. So you save your seeds and you save them out of your best plants, yep. your biggest squash, your biggest corns, yep. your biggest plants. You save those seeds for the next year and you can grow. And the same thing with your garlic. You want to save your big garlic cloves, save those for, for October you harvest them, then you plant those right back in the soil in October for the next year, and then you have bigger cloves. Yep. How do you how do you save your seeds for the next? Like, do you have uh, to, how do you jar, store them? Dry them. Make sure they're kind dry of dried out. out and put them in mason jar. Yeah. Okay. Some seeds, like fruit seeds, like blueberries and strawberries, they actually have to go through a cold season. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people think, like, oh, if I buy strawberries from the grocery store, I can throw them in dirt and they'll grow. But they Can't. won't. You got to fucking put those things in the freezer yep. for a month or two then the the seed knows that it went through winter yep okay and then you can plant them again okay so if you so, had a strawberry it wouldn't plant until yeah. the and then next that's season. what comes in like research kind of comes yeah you start learning too, things you know? like that and i'm still learning too you know definitely i kind of learn like you don't really have to put if you have like a big garden and you have a fence you don't have to put some plants in there to protect them from pests because some pests just don't like them yeah so like i don't have any of my garlic in my fenced in area because there's no animals that eat yeah. garlic okay because of the smell they don't like yep. the smell of it sure so they stay away from it so i can just plant it right in the ground next to them they yep. don't get touched eat bugs too bugs don't don't care yep. for them why well, i like garlic oh, i love Garlic's garlic awesome dude. i can eat garlic and everything yeah um mm. pruning you want to understand um how a plant just naturally works yeah. And like a plant's job is basically just to make more plants for the next year and survive. So what their job is it's like humans. Yeah. Their job isn't to make fruit for us. Oh yeah. For them in their <laughs> yeah. head. Is yep. it's to produce a flower, make seeds, and spread the seeds. But when it does that, it takes its energy from the fruit and it puts it into seed production and you don't want that in some cases. Yeah. So like onions, it's about to flower, you want to cut that. 
flour off. Okay. Same thing with garlic. It'll make a garlic scape, which is like this curly cue at the very top of the plant, like right around now in June, July. You want to cut that. If you cut that flour, it boosts your it boosts your garlic by like fifty percent. Because now the energy is not going to that. It's not wasted energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. energy is going back into the bulb. Yeah. And then ah. you can eat those too. So you can eat like a a garlic scape. It's like a really like expensive product. Oh, okay. So you eat that, you cut it up and put it in stir fry and stuff. It's good. Interesting. So but, that's throughout the process of growing. That's just, un- yeah, learning that's just, things. It's, it's like maintenance like throughout the growing season. Yeah. Um, along with weeding, you want to do yep. pruning. You want Exactly. Okay. And once you learn all that stuff and you, you know, you start doing it, you see better results in your garden. You see a higher yield in your harvest. Yeah, I mean, usually you're not going to have to do like a ton of pruning right off the bat. Just yeah. Like something like those, some of those are prime examples, but most everything else is kind of just, you know, just naturally letting yeah. it go, right? Yeah. Okay. Let nature take its course. There's like tips and tricks through yeah. a lot of stuff that will give you better yields, but you don't have to do those. It's not like you won't get them. Yeah. But like, there are some things that you should consider, like not pruning a determinate tomato plant over pruning an indeterminate yeah. plant. Um, for various reasons, um, cutting that garlic scape off when it first comes up, that's a big thing for garlic. Um, you know, I, the one thing I did this year that I learned about was topping pepper plants. So right about, uh, they kind of like more bushy. Yeah. So yep. right around like they get to like four or five inches tall, yep, you just cut that top right off Yep, and it'll bush out and it bushes out like crazy yep. and you get double triple your yield yep. for peppers oh okay so i did like half and half to see the results this year because it's the first year i'm doing it and i can already you can tell try that tomato plants too yeah kind of works tomato plants too yeah i haven't done it but yeah so it could be as in-depth and complicated as you want it to be yeah um, or it could be pretty straightforward yep let nature take its course yep. there's i mean some also there's some plants that require you know a certain environment too like yeah like some plants are vining plants, they need to climb something. Or like peppers, like it hot and dry. Yeah, they like it hot and dry. So you right. don't water them much. You want full sun. Yep. But like cucumber plants, it's a vine, so they need something to climb. And if yep. they don't, you're yeah, gonna have a like mess. Yeah, that's like another like thing that comes out of trellising is important too. Yeah. So like you know you want to cage your tomato plants, especially with like all right. So with like cucumbers and tomato plants. These tomato, these fruits are gonna weigh a lot, and if you don't trellis the the plants properly the weight of the fruit will break branches and then you're going to lose out on the chances to get more fruit. Okay. So. I wonder if that's like a fucking, a thing that humans have done to the tomato plant. Yeah. Or if that's a natural thing tomatoes do to like I mean, produce their honestly, seeds. honestly, you know, I think probably, I think humans did. Humans did it. You know, look at like a cherry tomato plant. That thing doesn't really need a ton of trellising because the, I mean, the cherry, right. the small cherries, and it's probably what tomatoes were. Sort of like some, like small They're fruit, small, like that. Yeah, and you now know? we make these fucking one pound tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The branches Big just can't hold them sticks, up, man. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. All right. I, anything else? I think we uh, covered it. Yeah. You guys part. got any uh, last minute tips, tricks? Um, I'm still learning, man. Fun yeah. gardening long, long stories. Fun gardening stories. Yeah, last year I had like this giant, awesome friggin' sunflower. It was probably like 14, 15 inches. The head was humongous, like Holy the size crap. of a stop sign. Wow. Well, 
What? Yeah, and Damn. the day I was going to harvest, uh, like nine squirrels came and, and <laughs> oh ate, my God. ate every single freaking <laughs> seed. A lot of people talk about how animals just know exactly when the perfect time to pick oh, is. Yeah. And you guys line up perfectly. Yeah. Like raccoons apparently know like the perfect time to pick corn. Mm-hmm. So you always have to pick your corn just a little bit early so the raccoons <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, climb yeah, it yeah, and get it yeah, the yeah. perfect time. Those little bandits, man. Yeah. Yeah. Some things for harvesting, like I didn't know this until I started growing tomatoes, but you can some plants will ripe after they're picked. Yeah. Like a tomato plant. Yep. You can pick a tomato green, keep it in, and it'll turn red. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yep. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that shit. I didn't yep. eat tomatoes really much before I grew them. Yeah. So... It's like the the avocados, day. right? You yep. get them at the store. They're like yeah. never. They're always that super bright oh, green. Yeah. And you gotta wait like three days. Yeah, and then you wait seven, and then it's like, oh, well, I guess can make guac out of these guys now. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's some things that are, can be overripened too. Yeah, you know, you gotta pick uh, them at the right time and shit like that. Yeah, the watermelons. I, I grew watermelons last year, and I never picked one at the right time. Every time I was like, oh, I'm gonna wait. I cut one open; it was still white. I waited like yeah, a couple yeah. more weeks, cut it open, it was rotten. I'm like, oh, God. God. So I didn't even harvest one good watermelon. And I grew yeah. like 12 of them. Damn. Yeah, it's tough. It's like, it's so stupid. But on- that's why you keep the journal and yeah. you write everything yeah. down. Right. You know? Like, oh, I harvested then, underripe, harvested now, and overripe. And then yeah. you hit that sweet spot next year. It's a good point, yeah. Mm. It's definitely you, a fun. You got any stories, Patty? Um, oh, I got tons of them. <laughs> give us uh give us one wild story oh, or geez. semi-wild semi-wild um let me you don't me. need to get too specific but just like something i don't know something silly that happened or uh in the garden or it, yeah um, in, in, the, in the garden <laughs> yeah not in your life man i yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know your don't, life it's pretty don't freaking. talk about grapefruit in your man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, well, uh, I worked in Northern California, California on a couple, couple cool farms. Um, let's see. I mean, I was basically living by myself on a mountainside for about a month and a half. You slept so, in a tent, right? I slept in a tent slash half shelter leak thing. Okay. Basically, it was two pallets. With a tarp <laughs> and me in a sleeping bag. Nice, nice. <laughs> for a month and a half. For a month and a half, and I was kind of by myself there. All right, all right. So, so kind of a zen moment. Yeah, you know, you learn a little bit, a lot about yourself in solitude. Hmm. And, so, what were you doing there? Why were you um, sleeping on a mountain? Well, so I was growing weed. Okay, uh, you know, and. Um, it was kind of sort of illegal at the time because it was like the county I was living in um, outlawed medical marijuana and people were still like, well, we're still going to kind of plant a bunch of plants. So there, you know, I kind of worked on an underground grow up, a little gorilla grow up. And then a couple of weeks later, they passed the new order and said it was all legal then. So, okay. And now it's actually completely legal in California yeah. too, which is kind of crazy because like a lot of the little operations are going on before are getting kind of closed out because of you know le- le- uh, legality now 
like they got to pay people that are growing out there now have to pay all these you know like fees and oh, stuff okay. or like you need licensing yeah, and licenses all that stuff. and all that stuff yeah. and you know the government's trying to stamp out the weed industry in california for years but it's actually legalization that's closing down a lot of these mom and pop farms out there interesting yeah oh that's weird yeah Usually you'd assume the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Fat cats, man. Yep. Ruining everything. Yep. So I actually have one final question. Shoot. Scarecrows. <laughs> can't trust a man they come alive at night and they get your kids baby no I mean actually they do they, they, they do work you know for some things for some things they will kind of like keep things away okay like uh, some deer they're kind of scared of them but that's why like, uh, uh, more effective is the, the little bobblehead owls I've seen those yeah, yeah those, yeah, are, those, are, those are weird looking yeah, yeah. yeah. little bobblehead owls okay they're the size and of regular owls see that and be like oh, fuck it man I'm out here <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah alright sweet cool cool thanks Pad for coming yeah. on man hey no problem thanks for the beer good that's stuff great. oh yeah what are you drinking by we the way we never even <laughs> oh my shit. goodness <laughs> what did you drink today we are dropping the ball uh, what are you guys drinking today what did you guys drink today I'm drinking <laughs> I'm drinking a uh, feels like summer yeah this uh guava passion fruit oh that's sour How is it yeah, yeah it's delicious I'm about yeah. to get that's on our one. instagram so check out our instagram yeah. for that picture delicious yeah. it feels like summer, summer beer that's yeah. a great picture too yeah. see that picture i took yeah. oh baby <laughs> no it's a delicious beer check it out check it out on our instagram tfk pod awesome yeah yeah all right guys all right check you later laters fairly well everybody welcome back Whew, that was a good episode i learned quite a bit actually about gardening and stuff man definitely um 
all new stuff to me. This is a whole new realm, but lots of fun, lots of good knowledge. Um, so we're going to talk, we're going to switch gears and turn it over to some quality and co- quality control with TFK. Oh, yeah. All right. Seth, what do you have for us? Okay. So um, I also am not super familiar, as you heard in the episode, with gardening and all that stuff. So uh, I definitely learned a lot. And as I was listening back to the episode, um, there was a few things that sparked my interest that I wanted to do some quality control on. Sure. Um, and the first thing I wanted to do was just check out all those books that Patty had mentioned. So I figured I'd kind of sum up those and what they were oh, so yeah. for the listeners. Um, there was a few books that were mentioned throughout the podcast, and uh, I was able to find them all on Amazon, you know, which is obviously they started off as a book company but um the first one that he was talking about was a thing called mother earth and i looked into that and there is this i'm not 100 percent sure if this was what patty was talking about we'll have to follow up with him but there was um there's this whole like publication or um you know, like Farmer's Almanac, like how, yeah. how that whole thing. So there's, it's called um, Mother Earth, and they put out a bunch of different things for like DIYers and um, mostly involved with homesteading and gardening and that kind of thing. And this dates back to like the 70s. They're still going today, but there was this thing that they released called the Mother Earth News Almanac, a guide through the seasons. And, um, it's been recently updated, and you can go on Amazon and get that. It seems like that was what Patty was talking about, but we'll, okay. we'll, we'll verify that with him. Um, the next thing was the book Teeming with Microbes. So the whole title of that is Teeming with Microbes, the Organic Gardener's Guide to the Soil Food Web. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, and that was by Jeff Lowenfels and Wayne Lewis. Um, they also have a, another series of books called like teeming with nutrients and teeming with fungi and it has, they go more in depth on all that different, um, stuff that's a part of the soil food web, like okay. Patty had mentioned. Yeah. Um, next book was carrots, love tomatoes. That also has a full title, <laughs> which is secrets of companion planting for successful gardening. And that was by Louise Riott. Um, who uh, is a older woman who recently passed away and had written a bunch of books on gardening that were very well received. Um, and that's all the information I have on her. Thanks Louise. Yes. Uh, the, the final book was guns, germs, and steel the <laughs> fates of human societies by Jared diamond. Uh, oh, and boy. Yeah. you can look that up and, and go more in depth with that. But the one thing I was curious about that book was how many pages it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's 528. Holy shit. Which is a good amount. It's not like, you know, War and Peace, but it's it's, it's a pretty 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 high page count. But it's a big book. Yeah. Like it, it's a like it's a large book. It's not like a um it's not like a like a shrunken down novel, man. Like it's like a it's like a beefy textbook. Y- yeah, yeah. You you heard that thud when when it landed on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <or whatever. clears throat> um so the next thing I looked up was biochar. And there is a lot of information on biochar. Um, I actually found this really good website that is biochar-international.org. Okay. And um, they had a lot of good information on what biochar is, how it's produced, how it's being used. 
there's like a whole industry behind biochar and everything that I wasn't aware of, but yeah. uh, you can look more into that. But I do have um, kind of a definition of like how biochar is made. And it's produced by thermal decomposition of organic material, biomass such as wood, manure, or leaves, under limited supply of oxygen at a relatively low temperature. I thought that was kind of weird that it was a relatively low temperature because they're saying less than 700 degrees Celsius. Whoa. So it's, um, it's hot, obviously. You're, you're, you're burning something, right? <clears throat> um, but the, the process of how they make biochar is pretty much similar to how charcoal is made. Um, and it's backed by decades of research that have been done in Japan and recent studies in the U.S. Uh, that have shown that it's very, um, you know, useful in agriculture. And like Patty said, uh, that about ha- having more surface area for microbacteria and microorganisms to grow inside. That's that's the big part of it. Okay. <clears throat> um. Uh, the next thing I have is mycelium, which uh, I wasn't actually sh- like I've heard that term thrown around, and I know it's like kind of the web that connects all the fungus together, and like plants interact with it and everything. But uh, basically, um, uh, Patty mentioned the the hyphae. I yes. Believe yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hyphae. So um, the hyphae are these like thread-like branches of fungus. And all of the hyphae connected together make up the mycelium. Okay. Um, so they're not like two different things. It's like a bunch of hyphae is the mycelium, essentially. And it, I looked up some pictures of it, which you can do too. And it's like, it looks like this white, like, cov- it web. Yeah, it looks like a web. Like, if, yeah. you, if, if, it, if at a distance you looked at it, it would look like a spider web almost. Yeah. Like, but it's, it's pretty neat. Um, uh, the next thing I had here was the broccoli family, and I there was a word that we couldn't pronounce or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I looked it up, and it's pronounced brassicii. Brassicii. Brassicii, and that's the family um, that brock like you know kingdom phylum class order family genus species that whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's the family that broccoli belonged to. Along with other cruciferous vegetables such as cauliflower, bok choy, Brussels sprouts, etc. Okay, baller yeah. veggies. Mm-mm. Yep, yep, some good ones in there. Um, the last thing that I had was about the large black bees that Justin used to see in Arizona. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <clears throat> and I did find some fun facts. Uh, so there are three different. Those are carpenter bees. All right. Okay. And there's three different species that live in Arizona. And the ones, the black ones, those are female. And they can grow up to an inch in length. And those are the largest native bees in the United States. Damn, really? Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Okay. In Arizona. So my fear of them is justified. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um... I think that's all I have. I know we were talking about alfalfa sprouts and greens. Ham, did you have a comment on that? Yes, I do. So um, I think in the podcast, Patty, we brought up like alfalfa meal. So instead of using like vermiculite or uh, what was it? 
perlite or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use alfalfa meal. And what it does is it actually pro- provides space in the soil for aeration and as as a benefit of, like, what was it, allowing nutrients to go into the soil? Is right. It, is yeah, that the so idea? It's, it's, it'll give um, nitrogen as well as some other... Um, you know, minerals. good stuff, minerals, trace minerals, and that, yeah. And that so kind when of the thing. alfalfa mill actually breaks down, it adds. It's a, it's another way of adding nitrogen back into the soil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's a really good article that you can read on epicgardening.com, um, and it's you could search epic gardening alfalfa, and and, and that should come up. And, and it goes try in to depth. sort through that right yeah, there. there. There's a lot of a lot of uses for alfalfa, alfalfa sprouts, and meal, and and all that jazz. Yeah, so that, that's, that's all it. I got, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're not subscribed already, subscribe to with your uh, whatever podcast app you're using. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram for any cool beer pics and guest pictures. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. Sausage candles.